Chapter Twenty Five of the Randolphs by Pansy. The Slibberbox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five. Signs not understood. When will you be over to the house? Tom asked as the carriage rolled toward home. Oh, I don't know. I'll call as usual, I suppose, whenever the spirit moves me. Maria, what do you mean? Aren't you coming over there to live? Not by any means am I. So long as I have a house of my own to live in, I am not disposed to live on charity, especially as I have a trade and can support myself. Of course this was the beginning of a long discussion. Tom dismissed the carriage and went into the deserted house and sat down to it but he might as well have discussed it with the wind maria was even less reasonable than usual it appeared that she had her plans all formed she was going to stay in the house of course how else could she take care of things properly and be ready for her father when he should return next week or next month of course she expected him as soon as that sooner she had no hope at all of this wild scheme doing him any good she was not so foolish if it only didn't do him permanent harm, she should be thankful. No, she was not afraid in the least. What on earth was there to be afraid of more than there was when her father lay sick and helpless in that bedroom? She had not been supposed to be afraid then. Why must she be so now? Do? He would find that there was plenty of work that even she could do if she wasn't of sufficient consequence to have her opinion count for anything." In short, she had her way, of course, as she meant to have from the first. All the more determined to have it, because she had not yet rallied from the disappointment and humiliation of being overmatched in this last planning. Tom went away at last, more thoroughly vexed with her than he had ever allowed himself to be before. The utmost concession that she could be prevailed upon to make was to submit, it must be confessed with a very ill grace, to Tom's quiet announcement that since she would be so foolish and unkind, she must take the extra work of getting a room ready for him, for he should sleep in the house, of course. And when she rudely questioned what earthly use there was in putting himself and her to that extra trouble, he answered more coldly than she had ever known him to. That you find it necessary to ask such a question only goes to prove how young and foolish you are, and how very improper it is for you to be left to yourself. And then Tom allowed himself to bang the door just a little, and as he went downtown he felt that really he had a most heavy and most unwilling responsibility. His heart would have been softer if he could have seen how bitterly the stoical sister cried the moment the door banged after him. She really was sore-hearted, and she did not understand the feeling." tom found it difficult to determine whether the strongest feeling was vexation or amusement when he made his next call in the daytime and discovered the improvement that had been made the old randolph homestead which had sheltered a long line of randolphs not imposing in any way but eminently respectable had a new ornament a sign tacked in a conspicuous spot and the letters on it were unmistakably clear and plain clear starching and fine ironing done here. Tom was democratic. He thought no one could be more so. He was most remarkably free from false pride. Had he not been a street-car driver? Yet this sign made the blood flow faster in his veins. 
it did seem a little too great a departure from the beaten track, especially since now, more than at any time during the last struggling years of their fortunes, it was unnecessary. The troubled brother walked quite past the house and took a turn around the block, before he had settled in his mind how to treat this new departure. Acting upon a plan thus carefully considered, he had been in the house ten minutes before he made any remark concerning the sign. Then he said, in as quiet and careless a voice as he could assume, "'You have enlarged your business, I see. Do you propose to take in a partner?' "'Perhaps I shall, if I can find one of sufficient mental capacity to be of use. Have you a protégé that you want to get rid of?' "'Not at present. What was the object of the enlargement?' "'No special object.' only you seemed afraid that I would lack for occupation, and as I didn't seem to be of use to anybody, nor have any sphere whatever in life, I concluded to make one for myself, or to make money at least. There is money in it. If you need any to carry on your schemes, you will know where to come. He doesn't care what I do, nor how many signs I tack to the old house, so that I don't trouble him." this maria said with a swelling heart as she watched that same brother walk away a few minutes thereafter without raising his eyes to the sign he on his part drew a long sigh and said she will have to learn by experience i see no other way and i don't know how to help her in the least after all they understood each other's hearts about as well as those articles get understood in this surface world Outwardly, I shall have to admit that Maria's plan bade fair to succeed better than anything that the Randolphs had ever undertaken, that is, so far as their purses were concerned. Maria had said truly that there was money in it, provided, she was apt to add, you have no pride to speak of and a good strong back. While the world seems to be full of people who are willing to teach our children to strum on the piano, to draw impossible-looking trees and people, to jabber in a dozen different tongues, the lamentable fact remains that in every town and city it is really a difficult matter to get one's collars and cuffs starched and ironed decently without paying a fabulous price for it. As Maria had a great deal of pride of execution, and an indomitable determination, and a secret plan to make herself and her father independent thereby, she worked with a will and in process of time actually took in, not partners exactly, but hard-working girls who were glad to be taught that which she had worked out by her own wits and the help of her eyes when she visited certain famous laundries. For time went on, and the father did not return to them. In fact, she became unwilling to have him return, though this she did not own to anybody." but she gloated in secret joy over the wonderful accounts of rapid progress and increasing strength. There came a day when her eyes were red all day with the happy tears she had shed in the privacy of her own room the night before, over a half-dozen lines actually written her by her father's hand, in which words he communicated to her his dear ambition to get well enough to go back to his clerkship, so that she might have leisure and money in return for all her self-sacrificing love. "'He will never do it if I can help it,' she said with energy, and she ironed eleven shirts that day. She saw a way to help it, by making it unnecessary. This she would do if they would give her time enough, so she became reconciled to the visit to New York. 
so the days passed and snarly march and tearful april and uncertain may came and went again and except a flying visit from mr harper none of the new york family were to be seen mr harper came with plans they wanted to take father to the white mountains grace had been studying hard and needed the change and the doctor said nothing wiser could be done for the father so he had come down to see about it father was anxious to have maria go he longed for a sight of her besides he felt sure she needed the change unlucky sentence maria was inexorable her heart throbbed fast at the thought of getting through the long summer without one peep at her father but she was taking care of herself and was not to be cuddled at the white mountains or any other mountains on the plea that she needed anything i am willing father should go was her magnanimous conclusion i have no doubt that it will do him good your plan of taking him to new york has resulted as i never thought it would but there is no use in talking about my going because i can't and won't i hope they appreciated this admission it cost maria a great deal to make it and it was splendid in her it was more than for most people to get down on their knees and humbly beg your pardon it was her misfortune perhaps rather than her fault that she was gifted with a marvellously obstinate disposition though to be sure she had done what she could to cultivate her gifts in that direction but no amount of coaxing served to change in the least her determination not to be made happy herself other people might be as happy as they could she was going to wash and iron clothes that is what it looked like to tom and mr harper they knew nothing at all about her bank account or her cherished plans but our washerwoman had long lonely hours in which she could neither wash nor iron and in which she did not know what to do with herself tom was so busy and so eager over his hotel and his reading-room and his sabbath services and his hundred other plans some in which she could not and others in which she would not be interested and allow herself to help that he had little leisure time to bestow in fact it was not till years after that it dawned upon maria that he actually made a sacrifice of time and convenience in order to occupy at night the pleasant little room which she took care to make so inviting for him she was still sceptical over the hotel not that she did not see and feel the good it was doing not that she did not admire the idea only how was tom ever to marry and support a family on fine ideas all the more she felt this for being present one evening when the accounts had been gone over closing the financial year of the house mr harper and tom had been at work all day an hour before she had heard mr harper say now subtracting the expenditures for furniture and for extra matters that will not naturally come in another year how do we balance as to accounts then there had been some very silent and rapid figuring on tom's part until presently he sat back with the lines of crimson creeping up on his forehead and the white lines about his mouth showing how intense and keen was his interest in this experiment we net just exactly seventy-two cents he said trying to control the tremble in his voice instantly mr harper stretched his hand across the table and grasped tom's in an eager grip victory he said in a voice of triumph 
then it is demonstrated beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt that a first-class hotel can be sustained with even a moderate degree of patronage and not have a drop of liquor brought into it i congratulate you my brother are you ready to go on with the work if it fell seventy-two cents behind instead of netting that i should try to contrive some way to earn that sum and go ahead said tom trying to cover his evident emotion with gaiety but your property at that rate is lying waste even if we should do so well in the next year and your expenses for furnishings have been enormous my property belongs to the cause and sinks or swims with it i am grateful to you for letting it help mr harper said this quietly but with shining eyes and both gentlemen arose and shook hands again even as they had done after the first compact between them but i regret to be obliged to state that poor mercenary maria looked scornful seventy-two cents she said within her heart how does the boy ever expect to support a family with such an income as that and it will grow worse instead of better for he will have new schemes every year and she made a resolution to work harder than ever at her chosen calling some of them must have some money that was the evening before the fourth of july maria had so far laid aside her obstinacy that she came over to the randolph house bag and baggage as she phrased it to spend the fourth a curious intimacy had sprung up between maria and the girl maggie for the first time in her life maria was near having a particular friend maggie interested her as no girl or woman had ever done before to those few among her acquaintances who were sufficiently intimate to remonstrate with her on the strangeness of making a friend out of a hired girl maria delighted to answer she is a pastry cook and i am a washerwoman what is the difference so she spent the fourth in the randolph kitchen helping maggie to concoct elegant desserts for the unusual rush of visitors she and maggie were the only ones who did not desert the work in the kitchen for a sight at the parade and it was not until everything was in order for the night that the two girls decided to take their holiday by mounting to the highest balcony that overlooked the square and getting a view of the fireworks i like bonfires better than any of these new-fashioned fizzes rockets and roman candles and all those i used to like the fireballs that they whirled through the air i don't care if they were dangerous they were a dozen times more romantic than these namby-pamby affairs this maria said as she watched the flames curling slowly around a great pyramid of tar-barrels gathering strength and volume every minute and beginning to light up the square with a lurid glare maggie made no answer she was watching the curling flames like one fascinated i like them too she said after a little i like power the way in which she spoke those words under her breath made maria smile as she looked curiously at her she has power she said to herself i wonder what she would do in an emergency i don't believe she would faint or scream i'd like to know i'm glad i haven't power began maggie again i should be afraid of myself i think i might do something dreadful just for the sake of doing it if i had the power of god for instance i would sweep out half the people of the world at one swoop i think no you wouldn't said maria amused and yet a little startled you would hate to destroy machines that your own power had made no i shouldn't 
not if they utterly disappointed me, failed, you know, of the object for which they were made. There was something in that. Maria went to thinking about it, and found she had no reply ready. Still the flames grew and made more sunlight in the square. The faces of the people looked weird and fantastic in the growing glare. Suddenly Maggie gave a little scream. Not a scream either. It was not loud enough for that. It was the suggestion of a scream that a strong will had instantly suppressed. She clutched Maria's arm. "'What on earth is the matter?' Maria said, greatly startled. Before the sentence was concluded, Maggie said, "'Do you see that man standing by the lamp-post, the blue light-post, with a child in his arms?' Yes, he was defined distinctly against the dark background. A glow of light shone full upon the child's face. "'That man,' said Maggie, and again there was that sense of a powerful, controlling will about her voice, "'that man is my husband, and he has my baby in his arms.' All this was said in an instant of time. Swift and low her voice had been, and the grasp on Maria's arm had been like a vice. Then she was off, through the room, down the hall, down the stairs, down another hall, another flight of stairs, so swift and noiseless that she seemed almost like a spirit, and though Maria followed, breathless and panting, it was hard to keep her in sight. End of chapter 25